This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. So today we look at the word kindness. I want to read this passage of scripture to you from Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, talking to Jesus, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You've answered rightly. Do this and you'll live. But he, wanting to be just or to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? This is interesting because this man straight up questions Jesus in this moment. And he's not questioning Jesus to question his authority. He's questioned to make sure he has clarification of what Jesus has actually said. And Jesus goes on, he says, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. When he saw him, he passed on the other side. Likewise, a Levite. When he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This story, whenever I thought about kindness and I begin to, to pray and ask the Lord to give us the direction and the conversation for today, I went straight to this, this thought and I went straight to this passage of scripture where Jesus is laying out this scenario. Because what better kindness could be shown to a man than, than to help a man when he's down? What better kindness could be shown to a man that when a man's been left to, to reach out and and give a handout or, or, or reach him where he's at and do what you can do to help him. So I started thinking about the word kindness. And the dictionary, Webster Dictionary, describes kindness as the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. But there's a different definition that is actually a biblical definition uh, in the original text in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, that Paul is writing. And the, the original word is Christotes. Christotes, which in itself... When, when I said it, whenever I read it in the beginning, I thought, well, kindness simply means Christ. Christotes, what, it sounds like Christ, right? So the, the original characteristic is, or the original definition is actually a characteristic of God. So when Paul wrote early on 
This, road, this, this word was used several times throughout Paul's writings. And when he was writing, he was using it to describe who God is. He was using it to describe God's compassion. That while you and I were still sinners, he loved us. He had compassion for us. He saw something in us. He saw the potential in the seed that, that he planted inside of us. And while we were still messed up people, while we were still people that didn't have it all together, he had this kindness, he had this compassion on us to save us. And so when we look at this word Christotes and we, we think of it in that way, and Paul says in Galatians, he says, so that the fruit of the Holy Spirit would be like, he said the, the Holy Spirit would produce this kind of fruit. And we've gone through these, love, joy, peace, patience, or long-suffering, and now kindness. All of these fall under the first umbrella that we talked about the first day of love. If you don't have the love of God in your heart, there's no way that the Holy Spirit can produce these other characteristics, that the, the works of our faith will look anything like the, the, the joy or the peace. There's no way we can have the patience or go through the long-suffering, and there's no way we can have kindness. And so that, that word literally is a characteristic, a word used to describe God. And so Paul is telling the, the church at Galatia, he says, your life should be in such a way that what the Holy Spirit produces through you should be a characteristic of God. He said, you should understand, you should recognize, you should have accepted the compassion and the kindness that God had on you in a way that your life can't help but give that back. You hear me? When we understand the compassion, we understand the, the Christotes that God had for us, that characteristic that give him the ability to love us whether we ever accepted him or not. That characteristic of who he is, that he created us knowing that you and I were going to mess up, knowing that you and I may reject him. He still created us and he still loves us. We still were chosen to be the masterpiece of all creation. That characteristic that defines who God is, is the characteristic that Paul says, your faith should be so rooted down that the work of the Holy Spirit in your life should look like that characteristic of God. And when I begin to think about this, I thought about Luke chapter 10 where Jesus is describing this incident. He's describing, he's telling this in this parable. And this man's asked, Jesus, what have I got to do? How do I get into heaven? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What is it that, that's required of me to receive that inheritance? You know, an inheritance should simply come if, if you really think an earthly inheritance comes because of uh, an heir or an heirship. If you, uh, my mom and my dad were to pass away, they leave me an inheritance. Whatever that may be, whether it be something that is of monetary value or whether that be something that is simply sentimental, whatever it is, the inheritance, the life that they've had, they leave for a predecessor. It may be somebody that's not necessarily a blood, a blood relative. It may be somebody that has had an impact on that person's life. But regardless, an a inheritance is left to a predecessor that meant something to that person. So... The man says, Jesus, what do I have to do to receive this inheritance? Well, if the man really understood who God is and understood that God is his father, God the creator created him, is simply accepting Jesus that receives him the inheritance. But there's a little more because Jesus says, well... You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. He says, and you love your neighbor as yourself. 
So it's almost like accepting Jesus isn't enough. But when we understand what kretosis means, and we understand that that is a characteristic of who God is, and that's the kind of kindness, the compassion that God showed toward us, then it makes our life, when we accept Jesus and we understand that, then all the rest of it falls into place. So he's asked him, and then Jesus says, well, what do you think that it says? It's interesting that God will put us through these tests, right? He says, well, what does the law say? I wonder how many of us, if Jesus walked in and we asked him these questions, what, what would we do if he says, well, what's the Bible say? The things that we ask, <laughs> would we kind of look back and be like, uh, because that's the place we haven't gone? Or would we be able to be like this man and say, well, your law says that I have to love the Lord, my, the God with all my heart, and I love the neighbor as myself. That would be really interesting. If we begin to ask Jesus these things, he says, well, what's the Bible say? Jesus knew the law. And the man, knowing the law as well, it says, wanting to justify himself, wanting to make sure he had full understanding. That tells me that it's okay for me to question God on some things. It's okay when I don't understand, when, when there's a question that I have, when there's something in Scripture, when, when I feel like the Lord's leading me a direction. It's, it's okay for me to say, God, I don't really understand this. Can you please elaborate just a little bit more? Bless you, baby. Sometimes he will, sometimes he won't. But it doesn't hurt for me to ask God to elaborate. And this man says, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, well, let me just give you this scenario. There's a man that's been beat. He's been robbed. He's been stripped out of his clothes. They've taken everything that he has. He says, and he's been left laying beside the road to die. There was a turtle this morning on the way in that, that Elizabeth saved and and saved his life. She was that, that good person, that, that certain Samaritan that passed by the turtle. It was left there on the side of the road to make its way across. But this man was left on the side of the road, beat down, stripped, robbed, didn't have anything left, and he, he had been beaten and left half dead to die. Have you ever felt like you've been beaten and left half dead to die? That's that season we talked about last week when we, we just feel like we've been put in the ground and the farmer that sowed us has just left us right here to dry up and shrivel up and die. Well, look, God didn't plan us to die. And Jesus telling this story says, this man's been beat, he's been robbed of everything he has, he's been left, I can almost picture this. Can you picture the man, maybe not naked, but can you picture a man beaten down and, and just, just left to die? And here a priest walks by. It says actually that by chance a priest walked by. Well, that's interesting that the priest walked by by chance. And as he walked by, he turned his head the other way. The man that should have understood the compassion that God has on people, the man that knew the religious law, the man that understood, turned his head and looked the other way. That, that, that man had no idea what he had received. He, he couldn't have because he did by no means give it out. And so then it says likewise, which means that a Levite by chance walked by. And it says when he walked by, he actually went to the other side of the road. 
He thought the situation looked so bad, he didn't even want to get close to it. Somebody that should have cared, somebody that was halfway like this man, that had some things in, in common, he, he went to the other side of the road. But then Jesus said, but a certain Samaritan. Kindness has got to be extraordinary. It's anything but ordinary. The ordinary priest and the ordinary Levite by chance had passed by this man, broken down, beat down, robbed of everything in the ditch. But a certain Samaritan came by. Well, first of all, why did Jesus say that it was a certain Samaritan? There was something special about this person. There had to have been. And it, and it wasn't that it was no longer by chance that the man had walked by, but he said a certain Samaritan passed by. And when he looked, it said that he went over to him. So not only was, was this man kind of out of place, but he did something that was different than what everybody else was doing. Because our kindness, this Christostes that, that God has given us, that, that he put on, on us, that he expects us to produce back out as fruit in our life, is different. It's anything but ordinary. I have been extremely intentional this week, knowing that this sermon was coming, to pay attention to people. And I walked around in Walmart, and I have almost been crazy. I don't know that Micah really has even paid attention because I haven't said anything. Every person I've come in contact with, I've looked at them with a big old grin. I said, how you doing today? How you doing? And people are like, I'm okay, and they might smile back. But it's amazing if you watch. I sat back at Walmart, and I just watched people. And ordinary people are not nice. I went to South Georgia for a little while, and South Georgia was a little better when you walked in Walmart. There wasn't nobody that did not speak to you. Everybody spoke. It was pretty cool. Almost like, do I have something on my shirt? Like, why, why are you talking to me? Because we're so accustomed to normal. We're so accustomed to ordinary not being nice. We're so accustomed to people that, that we would say as, as Christians, maybe we would call them of the world, people that have not received the salvation. It simply is they've not received this Christosis, or maybe they've received it because God loved them while they were still sinners, but they don't understand it. The difference comes whenever we understand who God is for us, the sacrifice that was made so that we could receive this loving compassion from a God who didn't have to give it to us. And that's when we become, we, we step out of this ordinary little bubble that looks like everybody else that goes to and fro to Walmart and, and back and up down the grocery aisle and don't speak to the person that you walk right by. That's when we go from ordinary to extraordinary and our kindness becomes something that's different. It's different. You can look at somebody and tell they're happy. Nine times out of ten, if somebody looks at you and smiles at you and they just have some kind of glow about them, you know that they love Jesus. You know they do. We, we've talked about it. There's a, 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 the spirits bear witness, but it's just in their smile. It's just that they simply say, hey, how you doing today? More times than not, that person loves Jesus. That person understands the sacrifice and the compassion that was given to them. Because kindness is extraordinary. So here Jesus says this certain Samaritan Went to him. 
where, where the priest had turned his head and ignored the problem, the Levite had stepped away from it and completely just avoided the situation, a certain Samaritan man who had nothing in common with this man. They shouldn't have even been on speaking terms. Totally different. They didn't even look the same. They didn't talk the same. They didn't act the same. They didn't go to the same places. And here, that Jesus said that a certain, because there was something special about this Samaritan man. He was extraordinary. It says that he went to the problem. He went to where he was at. It says that he reached down, and, and it actually says that he, he lifted him up. He bandaged his wounds. He poured oil and wine over him. It says that he put him on his own animal. He said, dude, you ride my motorcycle. I'll walk beside you. You need it worse than I do. And not only that, it says that when they made it to the inn, he took care of him. And the next morning with the innkeeper, he left uh, enough, wa enough wages, enough money there for this man to stay 24 days. 24 days. Because kindness is not only extraordinary, but it's sacrificial. Christotes is sacrificial. That is a characteristic of God that he had to sin. He had to sacrifice his son on an altar. He had enough compassion that you and I could live because of his sacrifice. Jesus showed his compassion when he died on a cross for you and for me. This man could have said, hey, dude, hop up. Here's my coat. Give you a pat on the back. Wipe that dirt off of you. Get the blood off of you. Here's a snack. I got to go. I'm on my way. It actually said while he journeyed. He was on a destination. So he, he was on a journey to a destination. He was on his way. He didn't happen to, they said that the other man, the priest and the Levite, it was by chance that they went by. But it says a certain Samaritan man, as he journeyed, he was on his way somewhere. We don't know where. We don't have to know where. The point is he sacrificed his own time. He put aside his own schedule. He put aside what, what he needed to do right then, and it became what, what was a me and my and, and I can't do this became he and this man and this other guy needs this worse than I do. And not only did he sacrifice his time, he sacrificed his transportation, what was comfortable to him, and later he actually sacrificed his means. He left enough hotel stay for 24 days. That's crazy. For somebody that didn't look like him, didn't talk like him, didn't act like him, they shouldn't have even been having a conversation. The disciples were bumfuzzled when Jesus sat down with the Samaritan woman at the well because she was so different. He said, why are you even spending time? They, they asked Jesus, what are you even doing? Why are you even spending time with her? You're not even supposed to be talking to her. She was mind blown. Why are you talking to me, dude? The Samaritan man had no business doing anything for the man in the ditch. But he was extraordinary and he understood that the kindness had to be sacrificial. But not only was the kindness extraordinary and not only was it sacrificial, but it says that these other men by chance passed by and they turned their head and they stepped over to the other side. But it says that he went over to where the man was. Kindness is intentional. You don't accidentally be kind to somebody. I've practiced this this week before I preached it to you today. 
And Monday was an interesting start because I made up my mind when I, when I got up that I was going to make sure that everybody I come in contact with, I was going to put a smile on my face. Poor Micah might have suffered the tail end of it a little bit. Maybe on everybody. <laughs> There's a special sacrificial love there that she had to sacrifice. <laughs> but I made sure that when I showed up at McDonald's Monday morning, to get my sausage and egg McMuffin and my hash brown and my medium French vanilla cappuccino with an extra shot of espresso, free because I have the app and I get the deals. <laughs> Let me teach you something this morning. I made sure when that lady came on that speaker and she said, good morning, can I take your order? I said, absolutely you can. How you doing today? And she probably thought, who in the world is this guy? And I told her exactly what I wanted. She said, that means I'm right around the corner or come to the first window. So I get to the window. I said, good morning. How you doing? And this is the lady that I see regularly because I eat this sausage and egg McMuffin and this coffee regularly. I said, how you doing this morning? She said, I'm good. How you doing? And her face just lit up. But it ain't always been that way for Mitchell. If Mitchell's not careful, before about 8 o'clock, I'm not very intentional in some things. And so this week, I put this to the test. And I wanted to be intentional. And I figured out that I had to put a smile on my face. I had to change the pitch of my voice to that. Hey, how are you doing this morning? I had to make that happen. It wasn't natural for me. I'm just going to be real with you. Jonathan, most of the time, it's natural for him. He walked, down with, he walked in with his head hanging a little bit this morning. I said, dude, come on now. boy, get up. Let's go. See, you all right? For some people, it is. I'll just be honest. It's not for me. Not because I don't understand the kindness and the love that God has for me. But because it's not always my personal, I used to be a really, really closed-in guy. BB&T changed my life. God sending me to BB&T prepared me for ministry that changed my life. When it came to the point that I had to be nice to people, and I, had, I, I was nice. I say that like I wasn't nice before. When, when I came to the point that I had to be outgoing, I had to speak first. I had to be the one to put the smile on my face because my paycheck depended on it. You learn some things. And that, that year that I worked for BB&T really transitioned who I was from this introvert person to now I can stand and talk. And Micah's waiting on me for 45 minutes because I, I just stand and talk about whatever. But it's not easy and it's not natural for me to do this. But kindness is intentional. This man was on his way to wherever he was journeying to. He had to be intentional to stop, to put off self for a minute. He had to be intentional to say, you know what? I got some oil that we have no idea where the oil come from, where the wine come from. It could have been that he was on his way to sell it. We, we don't know what he sacrificed to do this. It could have been that he had it in case he got hurt. It, it could have been for a number of things. But regardless, he was intentional to take care of the man's need. 
He bandaged his wounds. He poured oil over the wounds. He put it, the man couldn't walk. The man was beat half to death and left there to die. He threw him on his donkey and said, Giddy up, boy, let's go, and, and, and took him to the inn. He was intentional with the innkeeper. He could have said, hey, I want to put this guy up for a night. He said, um, here, give him this, whatever. He said, well, in the morning, let him go. He, he didn't do that. He took care of him through the night. The next day, it says that he, he went and he paid for him to stay there 24 more days. He was intentional through his actions. With somebody that he didn't even know. Not even somebody that he just didn't know, but somebody that looked nothing like him. Kindness is intentional. Scripture tells us over and over again that God had compassion. It wasn't by accident that he sent his son to die on a cross for you and for me. He knew where the boy was going. He knew that he was going to intentionally place him in this insignificant place of Bethlehem to an insignificant mother and father of a, of a carpenter. He knew he was very, very intentional with the plan. There was nothing by accident. He didn't accidentally send us this compassion that we're learning. He was intentional. Kindness is extraordinary. It's something totally different. It looks different. It acts different. It feels different. My week with people has been pretty decent. It's amazing the difference it makes when you're intentional. It's been sacrificial. I had to suck it up when I didn't necessarily feel like it. I'm just being real. Can I be real? You have to suck it up. You have to do things that ain't necessarily the funnest thing to do. Or you have to look a, a little different at somebody. Or you may have to speak a little different. Have a little bit of that patience and long-suffering we talked about last week to be kind. It's sacrificial. But it doesn't matter that it's extraordinary or sacrificial if it's not intentional. I know you've heard before that smiles are contagious. I was studying yesterday evening and I was, it kind of come to my mind just throughout the week that I've had and the people I've tried to talk to and smile at. And so I wonder if that's scientifically proven. I've always heard that. McCaden can look at me and smile. Madeline can look at me and smile. Micah can just bat her eyes a little bit and it's contagious. So I did a little research, and the Huffington Post posted an article about a study that was done by Adrian Wood. I want to read this to you. This is Adrian Wood, a Ph.D. student in psychology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, Madison, and lead author of the paper, told the Huffington Post that sensory motor simulation, simulation in our brains is what causes the bizarre mimicry to occur without us realizing it. She said, when you see a facial expression and you know what it means, you recreate that expression in your brain. In daily life, you rarely observe a facial expression in a vacuum. And we believe that you combine information from sensory motor simulation with your understanding of the situation in order to fully comprehend other people's feelings. For the paper, more than 120 previous studies were reviewed to help describe how exactly we, we simulate the facial expressions of others 
in social situations. Based on their review, the researchers concluded that when we mimic someone else's facial expression, we trigger that same emotional state in ourselves, which then allows us to formulate an appropriate social response. Our lab has shown that making eye contact is one of the easiest ways to elicit facial mimicry. It probably sounds obvious, but if you want to, someone to really understand how you feel, you want to understand how someone else feels, look them in the eyes. And what she said is it's sensory motor simulation that our brain literally takes. If I smile at Rebecca, her brain, whether she, she just smile back, whether she realizes it or not, your brain is doing something that they're calling sensory motor simulation. And to understand how I feel, you naturally smile. That also works if I walk up with you and I got this face going on or I'm down and out or I'm just like, I don't want to be here. Then somehow or another, your brain is going to take that same emotion from me. It's going to take the exact same facial expression from me. And you're going to now become like that to try to process what I'm dealing with. Do you hear me? It's scientific that your smile is contagious. Absolutely. It's scientific that every other emotion on your face is contagious too. Can you imagine what, this is just a story that Jesus is telling, but really, if this story had have played out and, and this Samaritan person had have helped the man in the ditch, could you imagine what the man in the ditch would have done afterwards? Jesus don't finish telling that story, but the compassion that, that the Samaritan man has shared is now contagious because it was different. It was sacrificial. It was intentional. Now that man left up in a dish to die has something to live for, but not only does he have something to live for, he has life to give other people. Your smile is contagious. God designed us in a way that our facial expressions, we process them together. You know when you look at Jonathan, you have to smile. Because you're trying to figure out what in the world is going on in his brain to make him smile like that. It is scientific that a sensory motor simulation, meaning your brain, your face, is simulating what you see somebody else's do. Would you stand with me? I thought back last night. Over the course of my personal scientific study of just smiling at people throughout the week. And I really don't remember anybody that I smiled at. I mean, I went above and beyond. There's no doubt it was intentional. It was a big old smile, big old grin. My voice changed. But I don't know of one person that looked back at me with a grumpy face. I thought back, and I, I don't remember ever recalling throughout the week anybody that, because, you know, I'm human, and if I'd have smiled and been all cheery at them, and they'd have looked at me, I'd be like, hmm, what's wrong with you? But I don't remember doing that. And so as I thought last night, and I, I was praying, I thought, Lord, you've given us a gift this Christotes, this characteristic of who you are, you've so freely given to me. And if I would just so much as to give it back, it's received. 
It's received. Medically, scientifically, it's got to somewhat be received. Come on. So how often... Do we look like the people in Walmart? I'm with you. I'm not above you this morning. I'm right with you. I was challenged as I started preparing this early on. How often do we just, it's not that we're mean, but it's because of the lack of intention that we look like everybody else. We were supposed to not conform to the world. But we're actually supposed to be different than the world. You and I are aliens living on this strange land of earth. So why in the world would we ever settle for being ordinary? Well, maybe it was ignorance. To be honest with you, two weeks ago when I started thinking about kindness and really started, Lord, where are we headed with this one? Just be nice to people. I really didn't understand where we were headed or what in the world was going to happen this morning. It was an ignorance for me. I thought Paul just said, hey, the fruit of the Spirit the attributes will be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Just be nice to people. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you should be nice to people. Well, that should be a given. But when we understand when that word, Christotes, really sank into me that Paul says, my life should look like the characteristic of God that saved my soul. That's deep. That's a, that's a big hitter. It's no longer ignorance anymore. I don't get to use that excuse anymore. Because the kindness that God has for me is absolutely extraordinary. It is anything but normal. So I can't be normal. The kindness and the compassion that God had toward me, he loved me ere I knew him. He, he sought me and he bought me. That love is sacrificial. I have to be sacrificial. When I don't feel like being nice, I got to be nice. I no longer get to be ignorant. And I don't get to walk around with my head in the clouds and turn my head and step away to avoid a situation because that kindness, that compassion was absolutely intentional. You and me, it was meant for us to have the love of Jesus. He didn't give it to us by accident. He didn't give us that compassion on accident. He didn't look down and say, oh, Miss Beverly Hall, I think maybe she'll get a little bit that sprinkles over from Justin. It was absolutely intentional that I got the compassion that I was given. 
You got the compassion you were given. There was nothing accidental. There was nothing just, oh, about it. It was intentional that God gave us himself. So it only means that my love and my compassion, my kindness toward people is more than being nice. That's what we think in the ignorance. It's so much more than being nice. I've got to give that characteristic of God to people. Paul said that the works of our faith would look like that characteristic. Under the umbrella of love, we're now called to give that compassion. Would you pray with me, Father? Lord, forgive us. Or maybe it was out of ignorance. Maybe it was out of disobedience. Whatever it was, God, forgive us for being the priest and the Levite that should have cared. Forgive us for being the one that should have made the difference. Or the one that should have been extraordinary. Lord, we know your word. We know that we're called to be different. We know that we're not supposed to look like everybody else. Lord, forgive us for fitting in. Lord, forgive us for being selfish that we would not want to sacrifice our time and our efforts and and maybe even our financial means, whatever it is that the need may require, God. Forgive us for not being sacrificial. God, but this morning... I believe this message is about intentionality. Forgive us for not being intentional. Lord, now we understand who you are. and God, in a new way this morning, that kindness simply means a whole lot more than being friendly or being nice, God. But the kindness, the root of what Paul was trying to tell us our life should be like is the characteristic of who you are that gave us the compassion. You, you were compassion on us that while I was a sinner, God, you loved me and you sent your son. You, you made that sacrifice. Lord, and we understand this morning that through our intentionality, God, whenever we're intentional with our smiles, when we're intentional with the way that we carry ourselves, with the way that we speak to people, Lord, it's going to be fruitful. Lord, the expression we carry on our face is going to be replicated to the person that we present it to, whether it be good or whether it be bad. They're going to feel what we feel to some extent, God, As science tells us, that the way that we understand each other in a social environment is to put ourselves in their their place, God. Father, I pray that we would intentionally carry around the joy of the Holy Spirit. God, through our love for you, that we would give this compassion so freely. you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus you never really understood the compassion that he had on you that you never understood that amazing grace or that victory that Jesus had to go through to save 
Just who am I? If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, maybe you have known him and you've lost your way and you want to make it right this morning. If that's you, could I ask that you just would slip your hand up right where you are? We can't leave this morning without asking that question. Thank you, Lord, that we understand who you are. We understand your compassion. Family, I want to ask you that as a statement of faith this morning, a statement of confidence, understanding who God is in your life and the compassion he's shed on you, and a commitment that we will commit as a family to give that compassion as a statement of that faith that we know who Jesus is, what he gave, and a commitment that we want to give it back. Would you come and join me in this altar as we come as a family? There's something special about about just making a statement and taking a stance. Just to show that, just a physical act, there's no difference in this altar than back on that back row. But just simply as a family, we're saying, you know, God, I know who you are. I know who you are in my life. I understand the sacrifice, that characteristic that you gave me. And I'm called to give it to somebody else. Can we just ask the Lord right here together for a few minutes? Can we ask the Lord, first of all, just thank him personally your own way. Tell him how thankful you are for that gift of kindness that he's given you. That Christostes gift that he's given to you. Because as we praise him and as we thank him for who he is and we give him the true glory that he deserves, something special happens in the atmosphere. Something special changes and, and life change can take place at that point. And, and then I, I want you to just pray that God would make you intentional with that Christotis kindness. Would you pray right now? Father, we're so thankful for your compassion on us. Or we understand we're so undeserving. God, we simply praise you because you're worthy of praise. God, we give you the glory, God, because you're worthy of the glory. Or not because you had to save us, not because it was an obligation, not because it was by accident, God, but it was intentional, it was on purpose that you give us the compassion that you've given us. Lord, that you've allowed us to, to come out of death and out of darkness into life and into light. God, you allowed us to go from this life of, of half being half beaten and half beat down, God, to now a life that we can now live and thrive in who you are. And you created us to do so much more than, than what we're doing and be so much more than who we are, God. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for that compassion. God, and with the understanding of who you are and what you've given to us, God, we stand as a family this morning, God, in this house, committing ourselves to be intentional, to give that compassion to somebody else. 
Lord, we stand declaring, God, that, Lord, that we're going to be intentional. We're going to live on purpose. We're going to wake up each morning as, as Jeff McCullough does and says, I'm just going to go tell somebody about Jesus. Maybe it's not using our words, but it's using our facial expression. Lord, but make us intentional. Lord, allow us to be different. Show us how to be different. Don't let us look like everybody else. Make us selfless to make the sacrifices that you've called us to make. God, and make us intentional. Don't let us get so busy in our day-to-day life that we look over the one down in the ditch that needs us to reach down and pick them up. Father, I thank you for the challenge you've placed on us this morning. For your love on this house. God, in the ministry that you're going to do through us as we begin to show that compassion. I thank you, Lord. 